Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to our first regular season episode of the Please Bet on Football Games podcast. Our long national nightmare is over. We get real football to bet on again. I didn't think it would happen. I'm Joe, the keeper of the real. You may know me as at BMADFTS on Twitter, where I bitch about sports and talk about sports and talk about bets constantly. Uh, I'll be one of your hosts. The other host will be my buddy, Alex. How's it going? I'm Alex. You might know me on Twitter as I underscore like underscore sports six. I am Joe's partner in crime as far as uh, betting goes in general, just talking about football. Uh, Joe and I met in college and started talking about football from there. And Joe started betting well before I did. And he'll break down his journey a little bit. But we just began talking about games going week by week and having phone calls as we've moved away and gone into different cities. We uh, get on the phone, talk each game, each betting process week by week, just pacing around our respective cities. Uh, This year, we decided that we had done enough pacing and it was time to do some recording, see if we could actually get some solid, tangible proof of our process. So, Joe, why don't you uh, go ahead and take us through a little bit of your journey and how you've gotten to this point? So it all started on one. I think it was actually like exactly five years ago today. Um, But I was I was actually parked at Alex's house where we in the town we went to college in and I got a parking ticket for like 20 bucks. And being the responsible teenager I was, I said, fuck it, I'm going to throw 20 bucks in one of these online gambling accounts that pops up every time I illegally stream football games. And we'll just see because I love football. I'm obsessed. You know, I talk about it all the time. We'll see if I know as much as I think I know. Making $5 bets. And I won every single one of them my first week. And I thought there might be something here. And that was 2016. I, I was making like 5 to $25 bets. And I ended up making roughly two grand. But at the time, I didn't even keep track. I just like wrote down in a notebook somewhere how much I was up and how much I was down. So in 2017, I decided to get kind of serious about it. And I started betting $100 units. And uh, I won 61% of my bets. I only bet the spreads. I really don't touch overs and unders. So I won 61% against the spread with a ROI of 13.8% to profit 33.2 units. The next year, I raised my my unit size a little bit and I won 22 and a half units with a 57.5% win percentage and a 16.5% ROI. 2019 was rough. This was the start of law school, but uh, I raised my units again and I only profited six units on the year, but my win percentage was still 53.6 and my ROI was still 7%. So my rough year was okay. And then last year I jacked my unit size way up. I won 15 units with a win percentage of 55.6% and an ROI of 14% flat. So Alex has been at the very least a sounding board for almost all of my bets since 2018. And the numbers speak for themselves. You can fade us if you like, but it's probably not going to go too well for you. And that's exactly the reason we ask you to please bet on football games. Because if you like us, we'll reward you with a little bit of money. And if you don't like us, we'll praise you for keeping the line soft and making it even more fun for our sadistic asses. Exactly. And this is why we have fun betting on football games. So with that said, do you want to go ahead and jump into the week one of the 2021 NFL season? Yeah, it's going to be kind of weird doing one of our phone calls without walking in circles around the hot tub, but let's do it. Yeah, I know. I feel weird sitting down at a certain point might be uh, picking up my laptop and 
you might see me just doing circles in the bedroom. <laughs> anyway, so we'll jump in with the first game on Thursday night. We have the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're using Bovada for all of our lines. It's where we make most of our bets. Early. So with that said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are minus eight and their money line is minus 380. Cowboys are obviously then plus eight, and their money line is plus 290. So I love the Buccaneers. I, I hate how they're coached, but I love the Buccaneers because I love Tom Brady. And now that he's separate from Belichick, I get away to simultaneously leverage my beliefs that Tom Brady is underrated by the public generally, and Bill Belichick is overrated. Uh, that being said, laying more than a touchdown is never very fun. And laying more than a touchdown against Dallas, who I would say is probably the king of the backdoor and the garbage time points, at least in recent years. Uh, that That's not something I'm super jazzed about doing. So I had an idea a few days ago, a brilliant idea, that I would parlay uh, Tampa Bay minus three on an alt line with Notre Dame minus three on an alt line at damn near even odds. And Notre Dame blew an 18 point lead in the fourth quarter to turn that into not a great parlay after the push. Um, the, the best I've got is that I just went back to the well and I parlayed Buccaneers minus 2.5 and Ole Miss last night minus 2.5 because I've been hurt. So I need that extra hook um, or the extra absence of a hook. And then I that made half a big point huge, man. Dude, it is. I, betting three actually gives me goosebumps. Betting minus 2.5, I feel like I don't have a care in the world. Um, oh, it's such a giant mental difference. And same if you get plus three and a half versus plus three. Oh, dude, no. Conversely, minus 3.5, I like legitimately will hesitate clicking on. Even if I think I've got like five points of advantage, you could give me Buccaneers minus 3.5 against Houston. And I'd be like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I know this is right, but I don't feel good. <laughs> um. I mean, obviously you have to bet that like a motherfucker, but it doesn't feel good. Um, right. It raises a couple of red flags for you. So go through. Uh, another another thing that I did is I parlayed Buccaneers minus 2.5 with Mississippi minus 2.5. And then the Carolina Panthers hosting the New York Jets money line, the Buffalo Bills hosting the Steelers money line, and the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Detroit Lions money line. And that pays out three to one. So yeah, you can't get that Mississippi arm. So you're going to lose out on one minus 300 leg, figure that out yourself, but you're still going to get plus odds. And Carolina could be fishy, but Buffalo and San Fran feel fucking locked down. Yeah, Carolina is the only one I would worry about there. But we can get into that when we uh, talk about that specific game. So do you want to go back? Uh, Tampa. Yeah, I had kind of the same thing with Dallas that if I was going to pick anyone just based off the spread, I would go with Dallas. Yeah, simply because they are garbage time kings and their offense is explosive enough that they can score a lot of points in the fourth quarter when Arians has packed it in because they're yeah. up by four touchdowns and they can go score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and cover and if it's a smaller difference and it's even more likely so if i had to pick anyone i'd go dallas but mainly i don't want anyone in the game if i did anything it'd be teasing down i legitimately see tampa getting out to like a 21 point lead in the first half i i think that this is going to be a completely lopsided game especially because dallas is missing well they're missing their star guard in zach martin lael collins is playing but how healthy is he you've got uh, i mean Connor mcgovern's a decent backup actually at guard but like still you're facing vita vea 
and Indomitian Sue. Uh, also, at some point, I have to feel like Tyron Smith's constant massive injuries will catch up with him, and he just won't be the man he was. I mean, he's already faded off a little bit from ungodly, but one of these days, man, he's going to literally fall apart, and it could be this. Day. It could be this day. Um, additionally, I have no proof of this, but I have a strong inkling that Brady's out to set records and pad stats this year, seeing as he's already shown he can win a championship away from Belichick. What else is there to do other than show that he can put up gaudy numbers? And this time last year, according to several interviews with people within the Bucks organization, they didn't know like what the plays were called. Antonio Brown wasn't on the team. Mike Evans had a lingering hamstring injury from camp. So like they're healthier. They know the playbook. They're better than they were this time last year. They're going to be a force. And I'm not touching against, I'm definitely not betting against them because they could win this game by however much they want. It's just that when you got Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, you never know what the fuck they want. Yeah, exactly. And that's my thing too. I mean, Tampa is, I have them as the second best team in the league. And there's a very easy conversation that they're the best team in the league. Yeah. Um, so I think they're definitely, it's not going to be that interesting in the game. I think it's going to be at least decided by the, you know, halfway through the third quarter. Um, but we'll all be excited that football's back, so it won't really matter. Oh, I'll be charting uh, every play. I'll be so stoked. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've already been making plans with people of like, all right, where are we watching it? When are we getting together? Who's doing what? Um, even though, yeah, I expect it'll be like an hour of fun football. And then, Dude, I have contingency plans. Like, I have set up a group that we are going to go to a specific bar in Hollywood to watch the game. Or I've also purchased all of the necessary ingredients to just sit and eat chips, guac, and queso in my apartment and watch it alone if that's what I choose. And I'll probably end up ditching my friends and watching it alone because that football is a sacred event for me. Next game. First one we have is the Arizona Cardinals at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are minus three and their money line is minus 155. The Cardinals then are plus three in the spread and their money line is plus 135. I've got this highlighted. I've got money on this already. Uh, I don't, so you know how I said that I could find any team that is definitely better than another team, but betting a minus 3.5 hurts. Betting any Mike Vrabel game minus three also hurts because Mike Vrabel, that cowardly bitch, is good for at least one or two coach turnovers per game where he decides to punt on like fourth and one from the 38 or just handing the ball off three times in a row, bashing Derrick Henry's face into a defensive lineman instead of throwing the ball downfield. But we've got a team I'm generally high on because Tennessee's roster is awesome versus a team I'm generally low on because Kyler Murray is super overrated and Arizona has a shadow of a secondary. Yeah, I have the same read on them. Um, ask, ask my roommate from last year. I was burned constantly by the Titans last year with that exact thing of taking the minus three and pushing. I swear I pushed on like three bets from them last year. Um, but they're still just so talented. And with Julio and AJ Brown against that secondary where they realistically have Buda Baker and then nothing is delicious. Regardless of Mike Grable's insistence to run Derrick Henry into people on three out of every four plays, they're still going to be able to score at will when they throw to their wide receivers. And the Arizona offense has some really exciting playmakers and Kyler can do a lot that puts stress on defenses. I love Cliff as an offensive coordinator, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with that. And I like a lot of what Tennessee's defense did this offseason because they were yeah. horrible last year, but I like a lot of the 
changes they made. And I think they'll be well suited to play against Arizona with those DBs that they've revamped. So it it should be a fun game, but I would totally expect Tennessee to win this. I like them at minus three. I looked at teasing to minus two and a half, but you give up 25 points on it. It goes from minus 105 to minus 130 on the odds. Uh, and I don't know if that's worth it. So worth if it, any, it, it, I'm probably going to end up going minus three and just praying Mike Brable doesn't uh, give into his demons. Do you Well, do you see anything on the board, maybe even San Francisco versus Detroit, that you could just lock down as a fucking massive anchor? Like, what if you got San Francisco plus three and a half parlayed with Tennessee minus two and a half? Let's see what this spits out for you. Yeah, so I'm doing right now. Tell me that's plus 104. Plus 104? Yeah, that's uh, that's very doable. That's very doable. Now I'm fearing. See, three and a half is one of those numbers that just fucking scares me because now I'm like, well, what if San Francisco blows? There's no fucking way that the Lions beat the 49ers. No way. Like, like what are we talking? Like 85% chance that we cover this plus 3.5? Like, okay, San Francisco plus 3.5 at the Lions is what, an 85% bet? Yeah, honestly, that even sounds conservative. Okay, well, well let's be conservative. And then what do you think Titans minus 2.5 against Arizona is? I don't know, I'd probably say 70%. Okay, so you multiply those two together and you get what, like a 60% bet still? Yeah, it's 59.5%. Look at me, lawyer, doing math. No, it's uh, <laughs> unheard of. Right? No, it's, it's a 60% bet still. I Honestly, I like this better than just my straight Titans minus three. Yeah, I think I do too. I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on that one. All right, so we've got Titans minus three, but we do encourage you to see if you can find a decent minus 2.5 alt line and try to parlay it with something that's a fucking sure thing, which is dangerous, and a lot of mathematicians will tell you not to do it. Yeah, this has bitten me before. I remember I tried to parlay an MMA fight where the odds were like minus 900, and I bet on the favorite, and she got knocked out in the first round, and it tanked like a NFL playoff bet that I had parlayed and was like, all right, this is this is why we don't do this. I remember that one, actually. I once had the same thing happen with Ohio fucking state. They were minus six. The best thing to do if you get the opportunity is to parlay one of these with a college football super favorite winning because you only need like minus 1000 to knock it up 10, 15 cents. And like Ohio state's not losing a Troy. But once Ohio state did almost lose to like Arkansas state. And I had about three heart attacks watching them try to cover minus two. Yeah. And it has worked out a lot more than it's you know failed. Oh, God, but those yeah. ones that fail do stick in your mind. You, you'll never remember all the ones that work because we do at least one per week. Oh, yeah. Easily. And <laughs> they, they always work. But the one time they will fail you once a year. And that fucking sucks. Definitely. All right. You ready to go on to the next game? I think we're all ready for this one. Oh, a absolute powerhouse game. I'm sure everyone will be tuning into the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. We have the Texans at plus three and plus 125 on the money line. The Jags are then minus three and minus 145 on the money line. What is there to say about this game that there isn't to say about three-legged puppies? You know what? You know what's really sad? If Davis Mills was starting for the Texans, I'd watch every fucking snap. I'd be so fucking tuned in. And I think that would increase their viewership, dedicated viewership by you, Davis Mills, friends and family, and maybe a couple people in Stanford. <laughs> Which would be an infinite, 
improvement over nobody. Um, this is a good point, but I, dude, fuck this game. We're not touching. Yeah, this game. I mean, I was looking at it too, and I was like, well, I mean, I guess I was trying to think myself into ways. I went, no, both of these coaches are horrible. I don't know what to expect. Neither offense is going to be any good. Both defenses are bad. This game is just going to be horrible on all fronts. And I could see it going from either team winning by three touchdowns mm-hmm. to it being a nine to three game. See, this is the thing: is every angle that you could possibly have on one team you have on the other you look at houston and you're like oh they got that fucking clueless old ass wide receiver coach running shit oh but then it's urban meyer running shit and some of you might be thinking urban meyer won national championships no urban meyer paid really good players to come play at his school or ignored their murder rap sheet so they could come play at his school and then those insanely talented players beat up on significantly less talented players urban meyer didn't coach shit urban meyer didn't call plays since his days at utah and they weren't that fucking great in fact, Ohio State got significantly better when Urban Meyer left, if only because they had an actually competent play caller at the helm. So coaching, quarterbacking, Trevor Lawrence will probably be a good quarterback one day. It's not going to be today. Defenses, entire game, next. Yep, I feel exactly the same. All right, so our conclusion is we have no advice on this game. It's going to be chaos. Next, we have the Los Angeles Chargers and the Washington football team. Washington is plus one. And the money line is minus 105. The Chargers then are minus one and the money line of minus 115. The battle of teams I will never correctly name ever again because this will forever be San Diego versus the Redskins to me. Uh, this is a tough one because both of these teams are, are teams that I'm hopeful for and optimistic about. They're both teams that I kind of like and kind of want to bet on but my so Washington is their defense right that's their thing but then you'll look back at the schedule of teams they played last year and it's like they they didn't really play any good quarterback I love Montez Sweat and Chase Young but like the secondary is okay not great what if a great quarterback can easily burn them and we just didn't see it because the only great quarterback who played him was Brady on the other side we've got Justin Herbert and first of all I liked him a lot out of college I didn't think he would be that good. I thought he'd be great. He was one of my top-rated quarterback prospects I've ever done in five, six years. But last year was special. Is that a little bit of a fluke? Was he aided as a rookie by the fact that there were no fans in the stadium so he can call audibles, he can get play calls in later, he can calm down at the line of scrimmage and think with a quiet mind? I think that you can't overlook these advantages that rookie quarterbacks and all quarterbacks really had last year. So that plus he's got a new offense and a new offensive coordinator in this guy Lombardi, who was the quarterback's coach at New Orleans. But before that, he called plays for Matt Stafford in Detroit, and he ran Adam Gase's super annoying, hyper-conservative offense, just dinks and dunks and flats and screens, and I hated it. Has he changed? I don't know. Is Brandon Staley ready to be a head coach? I don't know. So there's a lot of unknowns on both sides. The strengths might not be as strong as we think, and the weaknesses are there. Yeah, this game's definitely tough because Washington's defense is really strong, and they're going to be able to bring a lot of pressure. Uh, Rivera, obviously, will have a good defense going. But their offense is has a lot of question marks, uh, namely in what version of Fitzpatrick you're getting. Um, are you going to get the rejuvenated Fitzpatrick that you get when – you know, he comes in halfway through games and throws four touchdowns and is, you know, wearing chains at the press conference. Or are you going to get Fitzpatrick when he gets a contract and is named the starter from the beginning and looks like the guy that has been cut from seven different teams or, you know, released from seven different teams, not brought back, however you want to say it. Um, whereas the Chargers do have a lot of exciting young talent and they have the better quarterback for sure. And Justin Herbert, I think those are valid concerns. Um, 
anytime a rookie quarterback has that success, you wonder if he's going to hit that sophomore slump that a lot of guys have gone through. Uh, like Matt Ryan went through it. Baker went through it. It's a thing that a lot of quarterbacks, once defenses get more tape on them, they start to adjust and it's how the quarterbacks go from there. So it is a worry. Although I think that offense is well suited to help Herbert through any sophomore struggles. Additionally, I was iffy on Staley initially, but the more I hear from him and about him, the more I think that he's well-suited to be a head coach. We've talked about Stefanski before, how he just seems to have that level head that just can run an organization really well, keep everyone on the same page through communication and everyone's calm. And I feel like Staley just has that similar vibe to him, that regardless of his actual, you know, on the field X's and O's calls, which seem to be very good based off of his time in LA. Granted, it was only a year, but it was very good. The biggest obstacle then is just how he handles the head coaching duties because a lot of really great coordinators have failed at that. But I think based off of the type of guy he seemingly is, he's well-suited to handle it. So I think that bodes well for the Chargers. And I'm looking at uh, the Chargers in this game. I'm not ready to pump it through yet. I want to look into it more, but I'm definitely leaning. So there, there's another, if you're looking Chargers, there's another argument on your side that I've picked up on. And it you try not to have any takeaways from preseason, but it's just something that struck me while I was watching them in the preseason because I liked betting on them in the preseason. They had a much better quarterback rotation than damn near anybody else simply because they're three deep with fringe NFL starters. And it struck me that this could just be preseason conservativeness, which is normal, but it also could be Washington might just have a really, really conservative offense and they might not pass the ball very much and they might not pass it very aggressively. Like last year, the offense looked castrated, but we figured, well, it's because they've got a third of Alex Smith or the completely lazy, not knowing the playbook Dwayne Haskins or the off the street Taylor Heineke. And maybe if they had a better quarterback or a quarterback who was more familiar with the playbook, things would open up. But what if they don't? Their offensive coordinator is damn near a nobody. I have almost no reason to believe anything about him whatsoever. And Ron Rivera isn't exactly known for being the most offensively aggressive mind. So I could totally see him just saying, we have a great defense. Let's slow it down. Halfback dive, halfback dive, screen pass. And I think that that would be a huge advantage for the Chargers because this defense that Brandon Staley is inheriting is a lot like the LA defense that he had last year, just in terms of where their stars are and how many of them there are. And also how many holes there are in their defense. Like the linebackers for for the San Diego, or sorry, see, the linebackers for the Chargers are not great. I have some hope, but they're not great. I like Kenneth Murray, but he's young and he hasn't proven shit yet. Their corners are small. Chris Harris is old. I love Asante Samuel Jr., but he is a slot. I He's 5'8". He, you don't, come on. Yeah, <laughs> not he's, he's a great He's a great slot that I think will do really well, but he's a slot. Exactly. So you've got two redundant players, one of which is old as shit. And then on the other side, there's a slight possibility that Brandon Faison plays cornerback for them or Faki Sazan. I don't know how to fucking say it. I just know that he blocked me on Twitter because I tweeted at him once a couple of years ago, having money on the Chargers. Holy shit, you have the worst ball skills I've ever heard of. And those, those the, ball skills are still that bad. The always reasonable and friendly Joe on Twitter. Well, I invented this fucking Twitter so that I could bitch about shit and I'm going to use it for its intended purpose. Fuck Brandon Fazaki-san, or whatever the hell his name is. I think it's Faison. And fuck his burner account that is a blonde old white lady who was in my fucking mentions after he blocked me. And I kind of like the Chargers too. Now that yeah, you mentioned and- it. 
I, uh, yeah, they have a little bit of question at corner, but we saw anything from Staley last year is that he can get a lot out of his corners. He turned Darius Williams into a top three analytics corner. Exactly. So I think he'll be able to improve the DBs in their weak spots. So I think that defense will be good. And when you have the Washington offense, there are a lot of question marks right now. I mean, you don't know if Curtis Samuel is going to play. I think he is. Uh, and I think he, he is. I know he was back at practice. Um but even yesterday, they the team still said they don't know. I think he probably will play, but even with this amount of uncertainty, he's not going to be 100. percent Yeah, and they're still figuring out how they're even going to use him. I mean, he's brand new; they haven't really played with him all that much. Um, and so then it's just Terry McLaurin again, and you know Logan Thomas came on, but you still don't have like this wealth of options. Um, granted, I will say on the conservative offense worries, I could very much see that being their plan. But when you have Fitzpatrick and some of the speed that they have in their playmakers, I don't think that plan is going to be always followed that rigidly so you'll still get explosive plays and downfield throws simply because you have Fitzpatrick throwing it's almost like the worst laid plans (laughs) (laughs) we can call it conservative offense all you want but when you have a burner and a reckless motherfucker like the Amish rifle shit's gonna get fun exactly so that's where their offense could end up actually being explosive and exciting um despite whatever they try and do but if I had to you know pick one that I think is more likely it's that the Chargers are able to stymie old man Fitzpatrick a little bit in his first time with a new offense uh, more so than Washington is going to be this explosive downfield threat of the team and the Chargers are going to be the first one to fall victim to it all right so should we circle the Chargers and maybe come back to them once we get through the rest of the card because it sounds like you want to bet on them and I kind of want to bet on them now yeah I'm I, I think we circle them but nothing nothing uh for sure yet but if you're ready we can go on to the next game we have the minnesota vikings at the cincinnati Bengals. the Bengals are plus three the money line is plus 155 the vikings then are minus three and the money line is minus 170 and this one's pretty heavily juiced so if you want vikings minus three you better hit it now because it's about to be minus three and a half yeah the other are minus 120 whereas the Bengals uh plus three is at eve right i don't like this game but i love what it sets up to be because next week it means we get to fade the vikings after people think they had an impressive win over cincy that said i think that these are two below average teams i don't below average might be a little generous we went over on last week's pod how we're low on the vikings and then the bengals do not have an offensive line their wide receivers cannot separate and are redundant because they're all possession receivers that can't they're not fast they're all kind of slow and all not particularly huge their quarterback has a weak arm he's basically swaggy Kirk cousins so we get the version that has you know cargo shorts and a creed album in his hand but 10 years of seasoning versus the one with a cool haircut and tons of clout online but no seasoning and a bad knee and apparently some fear i don't want to fucking touch it but i i mean vikings are the better team but once you account for home field advantage it basically says the vikings are a three-point favorite and i think they should be even so i don't know if i would bet vikings minus six were this in minnesota i don't think i would bet vikings minus four if it was in minnesota i think these are really even teams and once you do the home field advantage switcheroo math this game feels like a leave it yeah i'm i'm in the same boat if i were to bet on anyone it would be the vikings um for pretty much all the reasons you just laid out but especially because i don't have much faith in cincinnati's defense i think they'll be able to get some decent pass rush between hendrickson and uh hubbard however i don't trust their corners i like jadobia wuzier but he's a number two uh you have to see if trey waynes can do something 
which I don't think he can. He's not playing. They're starting to Apple. Playing. Yeah, so their their corners are going to get torched by Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yes. Von Bell is a linebacker safety hybrid, so that does not help them at all in coverage. Uh, Jesse Bates is a stud, but again, you have one guy out of your DBs that you can trust. He's going to be running so, deep all fucking day, too, to make sure that Jefferson doesn't get over the top. Right, and that's going to open stuff up for Dalvin. Yep. So it's going to spread them thin. So I could see Minnesota really being able to put up some points. Additionally, the Bengals wide receivers are slow possession guys, which actually matches up really well with the corners that the Vikings do have. Really well in whose favor? For the Vikings. I agree. Because it's a bunch of, you know, older, slower guys, but who have really good technique, ball skills, or bigger dudes. So they, they'll they be able, they're, if they play the Chiefs, they'll get murdered. Yes. But when they play a team that's possession-heavy, route-running, contested catch, they actually are really well-suited to play against them. Plus, Daniil Hunter is going to eat against that offensive line, put pressure mm-hmm. on Burrow. So, again, if I had to go anywhere, it would be Minnesota. But with them essentially being three points better, I don't know if they're quite at that level. So I wouldn't want to bet on it unless I got to the end of my betting for the week and realized I still had money I wanted to bet and maybe threw a couple bucks off. We did just we did just identify a bunch of really good that corner analysis is actually great because Patrick Peterson cannot run anymore the way he used to, but he still knows how to play corner. And if you take that speed out of the fucking equation, that's dangerous. And then Cameron Dantzler is really good for a 6'3 corner. He just can't move. And you don't need to move when you play T. Higgins because T. Higgins basically just crawls his route and then jumps real high to get the ball. And that's how he works. Why do I want to bet on the fucking Vikings? I know that's why like I lean Vikings, but I don't want to bet on the Vikings, especially at that level with, because I don't, I also don't know what their locker room is like with all the stuff they had this off season with all the COVID things. They might be, they might all hate each other right now. Zimmer, you know, aired a lot of what was going on and it didn't seem like it was conducive to a good environment to start the season off hot. Now, granted, that might be happening in every locker room. And just Zimmer was talking about it, but it seems like it was worse for the Vikings. You know what else? You know what's going to keep me off of them? This is going to keep me off of them right here alone. Aside from Danielle Hunter, I don't think they have one defensive lineman who can actually get after the passer. And that is going to mitigate, like, because they're going to come into this game thinking we can get pressure with our front four because the Cincinnati Bengals have such a terrible O-line. And they're probably wrong because their defensive line is not much better than Cincy's offensive line. And I think that means they're just going to drop into coverage. Cincy can run that wide zone. They have a good running back, Joe Mixon. I mean, yeah, I'm not touching it. That's fine. I'm over it. Yeah, we can we can move on. We'll probably come back and see that the Vikings won by two touchdowns and be like, man, they should have known. But I I could also see it then being since he ekes out a win because Kirk Cousins throws some crucial interceptions and Burrow doesn't really get pressure. But either way, let's move on. So our next game is the New York Jets at the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are minus five and a half at minus 110 odds. And the money line is minus 245, whereas the Jets are then plus five and a half at minus 110 odds and plus 205 on the money. So I don't think that there's an angle on the spread here, but I do think that it would be important for us to just go over where we find ourselves when it comes to the parlay that I spoke of earlier. So I have Carolina as a slam dunk money line win in this game. I don't know if they cover just because I don't know if they score enough, but this line has moved almost two full points uh, 
That's usually a good sign for a money line, at least. As, additionally, I know for a fact that I get the better coaching staff because I think that the Jets kind of have a knockoff version of the same thing. Joe Brady is a great offensive coordinator who's been doing it in the NFL for a year already, whereas the younger Lafleur in New York has never been running the show on his own. And while I think he'll be a good OC, your first game's tough. Matt Rule is a defensive head coach who rides a little bit too much hype, but is a decent coach. And Robert Sala hopes to become that, but he's a year behind, at least a year behind. Additionally, I went from absolutely hating Carolina's secondary to kind of loving it with the addition of J.C. Horn. I, I kind of like what they got cooking down there. And I think take, exactly- you take me through their DB room. Tell me about who you like. Okay. So JC Horn to start off is a rookie out of South Carolina. He is one of my favorite corners to watch uh, just because his ball skills, incredible. His strength, excellent. His agility, very good. His speed, sufficient. He reminds me a little bit of a slightly slower Kyle Fuller, but that's a really good player. <laughs> and on the other side, they've got Dante Jackson, who I hated for years. But when you tell me that he's your number two to just stick on fast dudes, because that's all he does. Dante Jackson is really fast and then generally confused otherwise. But if he's just sticking on fast dudes, so if you just stick him on Jamison Crowder and say, don't let him get deep over the top on you, you're fine. I don't know if, Jam- I don't know if Jamison Crowder's playing. Oh, shit. Yeah, COVID. Look at that. Even better yet. Okay, so maybe it's going to be one of Elijah Moore or Denzel Mims as their deep threat. And I think that you can stick Dante Jackson on him and say, don't let him get deep. I think you yep. can do that. And I think that's exactly what one thing. Yeah, because if there's one thing Dante Jackson can do, it is run really, really fast. Yeah, I also really love their third corner. At least I hope they start him as their third corner because otherwise they're fucking up. Keith Taylor is a cornerback out of Washington and he's long. He's got decent speed. He's really quick for his size, like really quick. He will stay in phase. I think he can be a really good big slot. And I think that lines up perfectly against a guy like Keelan Cole or even Denzel Mims, if that's where they choose to deploy him. So I like Carolina's secondary. You also have, you have a weak safety in Justin Burris, who should not be starting for an NFL team. And then technically Jeremy Chin is a safety, but he plays linebacker. But look at those linebackers. You're not going to be able to run on this team because it's going to amount to Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin, who are both just ridiculously fast and can cover pretty well for linebackers. And then Hassan Reddick, who's a defensive end that plays linebacker. Add in Daquan Jones and Derek Brown plugging up the center as defensive tackles and Brian Burns on the other edge. This team is going to be tough as shit on the line of scrimmage, which is going to obviate that wide zone a lot. And then their secondary is going to be, this is not a good secondary yet, but it's so improved from last year. And Zach Wilson's going to make rookie mistakes. He's reckless. I love the, I love this game money line. I, I do not want to touch it spread. Yeah, I think you had the right idea in putting it as part of a parlay on the money line because I'm in the same boat. I, I think the Carolina will pretty clearly win this game simply because they're they're just a year exactly what you said they're a year further along in their development yeah you have sam darnold which i will worry about but those playmakers are still really good um between dj moore robbie anderson uh, i love both those guys and they're versatile in terms of they they play different roles so you can attack all levels of the field joe brady's a stud and i think they're going to make it pretty easy on darnold that he just kind of has to not screw up then with that defense they're they might you know get beat a little bit with the poor safety play but other than that they're really solid and with Matt Rule coaching them I think they're they're going to be um in a, a surprisingly good defense as far as a lot of people view them whereas the Jets they still have a lot of holes they made some really good moves I've liked how their GM has drafted and signed people the last two years but it's still a lot of new guys a lot of young guys 
with brand new coaching staff, rookie quarterback, that it's just really hard to win that first game of the year when you're like that, especially when you're going down to Carolina in September, it's going to be hot and humid. So I definitely like Carolina's money line, but yeah, I'm not touching that spread either. Minus five and a half is just a weird number that I don't like. It's basically a touchdown. Yeah. Although the next game I do like. Yeah, so we can go on to this next one of the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are minus three with minus 115 odds and minus 165 on the money line. Then the Eagles are plus three with minus 105 odds and are plus 145 on the money line. I like this game. And this goes back a little bit to what I said last week, but I'm high on Atlanta relative to the market. And you give me Atlanta minus a field goal with very small juice against what I have as the third or fourth worst team in the NFL. I don't think that Philly can do shit on offense. I have them very exactly the 29th team in the NFL. I don't think they have any chance on offense. I think their defense will be okay at best. I think Atlanta is going to be able to run the ball and run play action and get the ball to Calvin Ridley. And that's going to put up 25, 30 points. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to bet on this game. Uh, I like Atlanta more than Philly if I were picking one side or the other because I don't think Philly will be good this year. I think Jalen Hurts is very limited what he can do. Their wide receivers are you know, pretty thin and not, not great. The offensive line is actually healthy and for the first time in who knows how long, which I think will help them a ton because that offensive line when healthy is elite. But it's still just a lot working against some new coaching staff, limited quarterback, limited playmakers. Um, and then Atlanta, they do have a new coaching staff, but they have an experienced quarterback and some experience in that room that helps them transition easier. But I also just don't really like Atlanta that much. I have them a lot lower in my rankings than you do, that they're actually not that far from Philly. I think Atlanta's better, but they're pretty even teams, uh, which is kind of what this line tells us anyway. Atlanta will be able to, you know, bully with Mike Davis a little bit, get the ball to Calvin Ridley. But I still don't think they're versatile enough to safely say, yeah, they they have this game in the bag, especially because Philly's defense is experienced, their O-line is finally healthy, and they're going to be able to put a lot of pressure in the short field. How do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to handle Dean Pease's defense? See, I just don't think they're going to throw very You think they're just going to run Miles Sanders up the gut all the time? I think they're going to do a lot of running with Jalen and uh, and Miles Sanders and a lot of just short dink and dunk stuff where he's making one read and throwing or he's, you know, getting it to a safety blanket or run. I think it's going to be a really simple, not not quite Baltimore offense, but kind of in that realm. If that's what you think the offense is going to be, though, isn't that suboptimal enough that Atlanta becomes a good bet? Well, I don't know how well Atlanta's defense is going to be able to handle that, especially against a good Philly O-line. And then Atlanta has Grady Jarrett. Their edges are horrible. Their linebackers can move a little bit, but they're not good. That I don't think they're well suited to deal with the run. And it's going to wear them down. They're going to be able to keep the ball out of Atlanta's hands somewhat that I just don't think it's going to be a high scoring, exciting game. And if it's going to be lower scoring, that three number gets a lot worse to me. And I just don't trust Atlanta with all the changes and rough defense and what they've looked like the last few years. Granted, I do like Arthur Smith in theory and think he'll be a big upgrade from their previous coaches. If I think that Atlanta is going to be anything this year, I have to bet on here in this spot, laying only the field goal against a team that I think is fucking 
booty cheeks. So yeah, no, that's fair. If if you have Atlanta as a team that you like and trust, then it's a great bet because Philly's I, not going to be a good team. I have to throw a unit on it. I have to. And you know what? Part of this is I I'm I don't think that the wide receivers on Atlanta matter that much because they have Calvin Ridley, who's legit good, right? And mm-hmm. then after that, it, it it immediately becomes dudes that you've heard of in the preseason and names that you've seen on Twitter in passing, but like not people that your average better is familiar with. You know, Russell Gage, Alamade Zacchaeus, and then, oh, please, God, no, not Tajay Sharp. So I don't think that it matters that much, though, because I think they're just going to get these guys the ball in space. I think they're going to be feeding Hayden Hurst. I think that they're going to be feeding Kyle Pitts. And I don't think the Eagles can stop shit because Darius Slay is old. And outside of him, I don't think anybody in their secondary is any good. And they got Steven Nelson this year, who's older, but I still like. He played well in Pittsburgh the last few years. They also did get Anthony Harris, who will be a good free safety. But Avante Maddox is your nickelback. That's a guaranteed completion. That dude just can't. He has no ball skills. If he get, if he had any ball skills, he'd be a legitimate CB2. But he doesn't. And you don't get them when you're in your late 20s. So Darius Slay is getting older. And I don't know how engaged he is just because he went to Philly seeking a winner and he got stuck with this. They're starting. They're, listen to their linebackers that they're starting. So they're starting Alex Singleton, who I actually kind of like because he's decent in coverage. And then something called Eric Wilson and then Jannard Avery at linebacker. I mean, in fairness, they the way they run their defense is similar to the way the Browns do and that they really only use two linebackers. Um, so you have Singleton as your coverage guy. And I don't know who Eric Wilson is, but I don't know who a lot of the just thumper tackle dudes are. So if he's one of those, it fits their scheme. They're not good, but they don't really need to be good the way they play defense. Do you think Fletcher Cox still has anything in the tank? Do you think he's still good? Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, he's not dominant anymore, but he's still good. Like if the Eagles were trading people, I would love for the Browns to call them about Fletcher Cox. So then the Eagles will have a very decent B to B plus defensive line because Derek Barnett is a B and Brandon Graham is probably a B plus. Fletcher Cox is probably still a B plus and Javon Hargrave is a B. Yeah. So congrats. That's not going to scare me, um, especially when you're going to have so much play action and run action. I think that's just going to completely mitigate the the rush of the Eagles for Atlanta. And then honestly, the Eagles would probably be smart to just run some some read ride and decide Tebow's type stuff with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders because Greg Ward Jr., Jalen Rager, and Devontae Smith do not inspire confidence. I Greg Ward Jr. is a fine story and a low end wide receiver too. Jalen Rager is a possession receiver that thinks he's a speed receiver and Devonte smith is a possession receiver that thinks he's a speed receiver they're also all young and they're also all small yeah no i mean i don't like the eagles i think they're going to be bad this year but i also just am not impressed by the falcons and they have they have calvin ridley they have kyle pitts their line's not very good i don't actually think mike davis is all that good he's good at you know what he does he doesn't need to be good it's a wide yeah. zone offense he'll be fine he'll get four and a half yards of carry yeah um and then their defense just it doesn't really inspire anything it's a it's a few guys that are pretty solid their corners are good and young i know but it's it it, i just can't go oh you know their defense doesn't have much talent but dean peace it'll be fine that's what i'm doing until until we see it at least if now they come out and you know they give up zero points or give up a field goal this week then yeah it might change my tune a little bit but i'm not doing it in week one that's fair i'm putting a unit on atlanta sounds good all right we can move (laughs) on to our next game which is the pittsburgh steelers at the buffalo bills the bills are a minus six and a half point favorite at minus 110 odds 
and minus 280 on the money line. The Steelers then are plus six and a half with minus 110 odds and plus 230 on the money line. I'm almost tempted to take Bills minus six and a half. Me too. I mean, I that's a that's a big number, but I think the Bills are well suited to start hot and the Steelers are, I just don't think they're going to be any good and we need to capitalize before people realize they're a dumpster. Fire. I completely agree. This is tough. What, what I was thinking is I was going to maybe see what I could, if I could throw Buffalo on a parlay with like Carolina on a money line. Yeah. Or find a way to try and tease Buffalo down with some of these other games like we were doing with San Fran earlier, but probably wouldn't want to do it with San Fran again. I think you absolutely have to try to put Buffalo in your teasers and money line parlays this week. But I don't know yeah. if there's much else to get at after that. Yeah, beyond that. I mean, I Buffalo is going to be good. And I think they did a lot to revamp that D-line that'll actually give them some pass rush juice, which is one of the things they were missing a lot from last year. At the very and, least, stuff to run. Yeah, and they're playing the Steelers, whose offensive line is in shambles. I mean, they, they, they just moved. We talked about it last week, but they moved a guy from left tackle to right tackle to start two weeks before the season started. And they've been shuffling people on the line the entire offseason. So when you have the improved Buffalo D-line, against that horrible O-line, I think they're going to be able to get some pressure. And even with the Steelers getting the ball out quick, then you have the awesome DBs that the Bills have. You want those Bills safeties coming up and stuffing short passes. That's exactly what they're built for. Exactly. So I think the Bills are are in a really good position to defend the Steelers. Um, and the Bills upgraded their line a little bit this offseason. Obviously, those Steelers, that Steelers front seven is always going to get pressure and cause problems. And the question is basically, is Josh Allen going to be the Josh Allen of last year or most of last year or the one that we saw in bits of 2020 and all of the previous years, which is he's going to go throw some inexplicable interceptions or make some really silly decisions that cause fumbles. I don't even think it matters. I legitimately think I, I can I can break this game down really simply. One, I think the Steelers have the worst offensive line in their division. And we just told you what we think of the Bengals offensive line. Two, I think that Josh Allen from 2019 wins this game and might even cover. Three, I think Big Ben is completely done. But even if he's not done, Big Ben's best game from last year isn't enough to win this game. And four, I love Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. I liked when he, what he was doing in, uh, in college at Pitt. And ever since then, he's been bouncing around trying to find a spot to hang on. I have hope that he could put something nice together. But you can't put anything together with a bad quarterback that has no range, a bad offensive line that can't block up anything. I mean, shit, that's enough. I actually love their wide receivers and running back. But when you have nothing else, you have nothing. Yeah. I mean, if you can get the ball into those guys' hands and give them any room to work, you're gonna, they're gonna produce. But there is a lot working against that happening, and the the Bills' offense is just diverse enough in terms of uh, who they can give the ball to. With Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, old self, um, that they're going to be able to pick on that weak secondary, and they're just a much better team. They're more talented. They're you know both really well coached, but there's more stability in Buffalo right now in terms of their coordinators and Brian Dables a stud as we have talked about often. So yeah, I like the Bills. I I'm underlining them like I did the Chargers. Uh, that I'll probably come back to them once I uh, once I see what the full card is looking like. Move on to the next game. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So this one we talked about a little bit already, but the San Francisco 49ers going to the Detroit 
Detroit Lions. The Lions are plus seven and a half at minus 115 odds and plus 280 on the money line. The 49ers are minus seven and a half with minus 105 odds and minus 360 on the money line. I think this one can be extremely quick. The Lions are an absolute fucking dumpster fire. They're good at nothing. They're terrible in the most important spots like head coach and quarterback. While we're low on the 49ers, we sure as shit ain't that low. We're not touching the spread just because it feels ooky, but throw those 49ers in your money line parlays and your teasers. Anything else to add? Uh, no, you, you said everything. 49ers are a much better team. Detroit's going to be terrible. All right, for our next game, we have the Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are plus two and a half with minus 105 odds, plus 125 on the money line. The Seahawks then are minus two and a half with minus 115 odds and minus 145 on the money. This game is actually interesting. And the line is basically telling you that once you account for the two and a half points of home field advantage, which is the going number these days, these are even teams. And that corroborates what... Vegas power rankings are telling us, ESPN power rankings are telling us, most people think these are even teams. I'm inclined to believe Indianapolis is better. Now, there's a lot of variables, which is why I totally understand if nobody wants to touch this game. And frankly, I might not touch this game, but I know I have the better coach, right? Like that's a given. Frank Reich's a good coach. Pete Carroll's an average at best coach. I have Carson Wentz, who <laughs> he's going to be anywhere between the eighth best quarterback and the 32nd. I think that's a fair range. <laughs> I, I wish I could be more accurate than that. And I would bet on him being around 12, but I, I don't know. Maybe his brain's broken. Maybe COVID scrambled him. Who knows? I, things have been going off the rails with him lately. Yeah, he's falling into that kind of like snake bitten category where he's just getting hurt and having strange things happen to him. And he's not dealing with it all too well, it doesn't seem like. But we have no idea. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen him play on a competent team while healthy in two years. I'm actually really sad because if Wentz hadn't played this game and we got Jacob Eason starting, I'd be hammering the Colts and the line would probably be like plus six. And I would have such good value because I know that he's an average starting quarterback with upside, like, and not upside, like he can develop into something like upside, like he can make some awesome plays and single-handedly add seven points to your total as it stands. Do you want to bet on this game? No, they're, they're kind of in that same realm, you know, very different kind of football games. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a great game similar realm to Jacksonville and Houston that I could see a really wide range of outcomes because I could see Wentz coming out and looking like, you know, MVP Wentz um, where he's got a, you know, he's with Reich again. He's got a really good offensive line. He's got some playmakers that he can spread the ball to and Seattle's defense, you know, they lost Shaq Griffin um, and they're not that great to begin with. So there's an avenue where I could see him come out slinging it and they put up 35 points, but I could also see him come out and be, horrible um, where he's just terrified looks like a deer in the headlights and they score three points and Jacob Eason is playing the fourth quarter while you know they're just doing garbage time so that's where the Colts are a big wild card to me right now with Wentz where I want to see a game with him before I bet on him Um, so I'm just going to stay away I in theory like the Colts more but that's assuming Wentz is in a average quarterback you know to add a little bit more chaos to this we've also got russell wilson who started off the year last year legitimately a contender for mvp and while i usually throw a ton of water on mvp candidates he probably deserved it for the first four to six games last year and then he fell off a motherfucking cliff and became actively bad so while wentz's range is probably eight to 32 russell wilson's range is probably like five to 25 it's not like this game could go any which fucking way at quarterback. These rosters are Indy's roster is slightly better. Yeah. The coaching is better in Indy. If I had to bet, I'd bet Indy. 
But when I'm only getting three points and the quarterbacks are the biggest variable, I'm doing nothing. Exactly. Same boat. I would probably put Russ as higher because I think Russ at peak Russ is like a is a top three guy. Um, and even like the worst Russ, not the worst, but, you know, the, the Russ that we saw last year, he's not good, but he's still explosive enough that I don't think he ever really drops into that Wentz range um, or the, the lower end of Wentz. But, yeah, I think overall the quarterbacks are a huge variable week one with a lot of changes. I'm not going to touch it. So we can go on to our, our next game. It's a, a hometown favorite. We have the Cleveland Browns going to face Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus six and a half at one, minus 105 odds and minus 275 on the money line. The Cleveland Browns are plus six and a half with minus 115 odds and plus 225 on the money. Yeah, this is going to begin our uh, late afternoon slate, the uh, the three o'clock where you're at, the one o'clock where I'm at. And holy shit, I was, I was going to open this with everybody's going to be watching this game, right? And then I looked down and I was like, well, there's Packers Saints and there's Patriots Dolphins. This is going to be fun. There's Denver Giants, yeah. but nobody, nobody. Mm-hmm. I've already planned for how I can transport my TV to my friend's apartment so we can have multiple TVs going specifically so we can watch multiple of these games at a time because I don't want to miss any of them. This will be one of those games where I, I really, really miss my five TV setup from when I lived back in Boston, but that'll be coming soon in October. Uh, in the meantime, this is going to be a really good game. And my instinct is to look for Browns as the underdog because while the Chiefs are a better team, we just saw this game when Cleveland was missing their entire secondary, half their defensive line, and had a terrible secondary to begin with. I'm pretty sure the Browns were missing OBJ, and then was Jarvis banged up? Um, bad? I think he's just not great, but there are, I don't know, he, there are reports that he was hurt all last year, so who really knows? Anyhow, the Browns played the Chiefs left-handed in the playoffs and legitimately had a chance to win that game. And I don't want to hear Patrick Mahomes got concussed or else that would have been different because Chad Henney played like two drives. Rashard Higgins fumbled out the fucking end zone on a call that should have been a targeting. That game was really close and the, the better team won. Absolutely. But if you told me the Browns won this game, I would not be shocked. If you're a, if you, if you want to gamble, I don't gamble. I just don't gamble. But if you want to gamble, you could throw some money on Brown's money line, get a nice 225% return on your investment if you win. And that could be fun, but I won't be doing that because I don't gamble. Yeah, I, I generally stay away from betting on the Browns because I, I think I'm too emotionally tied into the team to have Correct. an objective look. <laughs> Um, so I generally don't bet on them. I think this week will follow that general rule uh, because the Cleveland Browns, I love what they've done for most of this offseason. I think that they're well positioned to be incredible this year. And I would not be shocked if they beat the Chiefs. However, I still think the Chiefs are better suited to be good early in the year because the Browns did have a lot of moving pieces. Their defense is eight or nine new starters, depending on who's playing. Uh, a lot of guys on offense are, well, not a lot of guys, but OBJ's coming off a big injury. You have some new players coming in. You figure to use Njoku more and how you're going to figure out DPJ and Rashard Higgins and Landry. So there are some questions on the offense as well, whereas the Chiefs know exactly what they are. They have the revamped O-line but and the rookies on the right side. But other than that, their team's very similar to what it was. And Andy Reid with an entire offseason. I expect the Chiefs to win. I expect them to win by probably, you know, four to seven points. Uh, but it could be a little bit more. And I don't want to bet on the Browns uh, week one with a pretty significant new defense. If this line was Browns plus eight, I would be intrigued. As it stands, 
I've got the two field goal hook. I don't want that. I want more. I need the scythe. I need the fucking big one. Um, the scythe is what I call anything from 7.5 to 8. This is tough. I hate to say it. It's probably my favorite game to watch of the weekend, but I think we have to just pass it without a bet. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I feel like that happens a lot with really good games simply because they're hard to figure out exactly who's going to win because both teams are so evenly matched. There's, there is a great chance that I end up live betting this, and if I do, I will tweet it. So be on the lookout for that. Because after a quarter, I generally feel I have a grasp on any game I'm paying that much attention to. But yeah, for now, I think it's time for Broncos Giants. Definitely. So we have the Denver Broncos going to the New York Giants. The Giants are plus three and minus 115 odds and plus 140 on the money line. The Broncos then are minus three and minus 105 odds and minus 160 on the money line. I think I'm going to bet this game. This line implies that the Broncos are six point better than the Giants. I have the Giants as one of the absolute worst teams in the NFL. And I think that the Broncos are one of the better ones. Not great, but I think they're right around that top 10 fringe. I think that the Broncos, I, I don't, excuse me. I know that the Broncos have an insanely good defense. And I also know that Daniel Jones turns the ball over like he's being paid to do it. And he might think he's being paid to do it because he turned the ball over at Duke and then he was rewarded. And then he turned the ball over in the NFL and he hasn't been punished. I know that the Giants won't score points. I also know that the Giants are supposed to have this great defense, but I think it's significantly overrated because I think James Bradbury was a middling at best second corner for his entire career. And then last year played out of his fucking head. It's not going to happen again. It just isn't. I don't think that their pass rush is substantially awesome, despite the fact that I love Lorenzo Carter. And I think that the Broncos have a good offensive line. Finally, we spoke about this previously, but Denver's weapons. If there is a way that your defense can be hurt, Denver will do it. If your defense is vulnerable to speed and quicks, they have Jerry Judy. They have KJ Hamler. They will exploit your slowness. If your defense is small, Cortland Sutton will go over the top of you. He can run by you, but he will definitely go over the top of you. And then Noah Fant is just a freak athlete. So unless you have a Derwin James or a great plan to stop him, he's going to get open. And while Teddy Bridgewater isn't awesome, he won't be confused by anything the Giants defense throws at him. He's not going to leave too many points on the field. Like if, if you give Teddy a game plan and a matchup that is worth about a 10-point advantage... He'll squander some of that, but he'll still give you like an eight-point advantage. I mean, he's not going to completely collapse your, your chances. I'm going to toss a unit on the Broncos, minus three with a minus 105 odds. I like it. Actually, while you were talking, I put a half a unit on the Broncos, minus three, uh, simply because I might throw them in, throw more money on them, and tease them a little bit down. Uh, or do a little bit different with money line or something figure it out but definitely on with the broncos as well the defense is going to suffocate the giants i don't think their offense is going to be good they have a lot of playmakers but the broncos have so many defensive weapons that they're going to be able to match it well especially with Vic Fangio calling plays i do worry a little bit about the broncos scoring points because although i think the Giants defense is a little overrated as you already kind of talked about. I still think they will be solid and Teddy doesn't inspire confidence. However, those weapons are just disgusting and they're going to be able to manufacture points simply because I, I can't believe that those four guys, uh, Hamler, Sutton, Judy, and Fant won't be able to score at least a couple of times. And they'll, you know, whether it's busted plays or them taking turns, picking on weaknesses in the defense, uh, just dinking and dunking down the field. So I like Denver. They're going to win this game uh, in 
as long as there aren't some pretty big surprises. And I like them at minus three. Just want to play with the numbers a little bit more before I fully lock in the money on them. Yeah, no, I, I, I locked in a unit at Denver minus three, and I'm actually looking to find angles. It might be one of those cases where I just, since it's a late game, I might find an early game that's damn near over and Bovada leaves a lingering line of like a minus a thousand money line. And I might just fucking parlay that with Denver minus two and a half on an alt line. But that's mm-hmm. the kind of shit that you have to get creative with on your own. I can't walk people through that. I mean, that's just, that's in the moment. Exactly. That's one where, you know, you got to workshop that and you're playing with a lot of different guy- games or you're waiting for live bets. So that's why I'm not, I'm not worried about it too much right now. And I'm only half tied in. Yeah. As, right. as it stands, I'm, I'm willing to put two units on Denver if I find a creative avenue that I like. But for right now, it's one. For you, it's a half. We're both betting on it. I'm, I'm definitely betting on the next one. Yeah, this next game we've, uh, I think we've talked about on two other podcasts of which, uh, which bet we've already made, but we can jump into the Green Bay Packers going to Jacksonville, Florida to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are plus four and a half with minus 110 odds and plus 175 on the money line. The Packers then are minus four and a half with minus 110 odds and minus 210 on the money line. I think I've said enough about this bet. I think if you want to hear more in-depth breakdown, check out last week's podcast. But I have a unit on the Saints money line at plus 175, and I have a unit on the Saints plus 4.5 at minus 110. I love this bet. This bet is going to make or break my reputation forever, I feel. All those four years, really five, but the four that I went over at the beginning of the podcast of winning football bets, yeah, they're going to go right the fuck out the window if the Saints don't put up a fight here. If the Saints get walked, I'm ooh, I'm going to hurt. But Yeah, that's going to be one where I could see the afternoon slate just being crushing for me between if the Browns get beat up, then the Saints don't cover. I'm just, it's going to be, you know, 7.30 and I'm going to be in the fetal position in the corner of my room. Yeah. So, so you're betting on the Saints as well? You're in? I, yeah, I bet on them last week, I believe. I think I may have talked about it, but I have a unit on the Saints at plus four and a half. Okay. Well, we've said plenty on that one. Again, check out last week's pod. We did a little breakdown at the end. We also did a little bit of a breakdown of the Saints in general, which is time stamped in the description. Definitely. Guess, we can on. go on to our, uh, our final game of the late slate on Sunday or the midday slate on Sunday, which is the Miami Dolphins going to play the New England Patriots. The Patriots are minus three with even odds and minus 150 on the money line. The Dolphins then are plus three with minus 120 odds and the spread or the money line is plus 130. This game is bullshit because I feel like I know, I feel like I have an angle, but I kind of don't. I, my instinct is there's an angle here, bet on the Dolphins, and then... I think about it rationally and I'm like, okay, well, I have New England with a better quarterback. The Dolphins have the better defense. Coaching is a wash, I think. I, yeah. So I got the better defense with Miami. Coaching is a wash. Patriots have the better quarterback. Dolphins have the better weapons. Patriots have a much better offensive line. I hate saying this, but I might not be able to touch this game either. Yeah, this is this is a game that I have marked as where I'll do I'll do little parlays of just pick three games that I think I have. I think I know what's gonna happen, but not enough that I'm gonna bet significant money on it and i'll throw two or three games into a money line parlay and i'd probably do miami in this 
and I think they'll win because they have the better defense. I really like what Flores has done. I think he utilizes the player, his players really well, um, puts him in good positions to succeed. Tua is obviously a huge hindrance, though, and that O-line is not going to help them out. But just the raw speed they have, I think, matches up really well against the Patriots' defense. And Mac is a rookie quarterback playing against essentially a Patriots defense that Brian Flores is running that I think will confuse him and give him some fits. So early on, I lean towards the quarterback that is at least played for half a season, even if I don't like him at all. So I would lean Miami, but I don't know if uh, I'm confident enough to bet significant money on it straight up. In order to bet on Miami, which again is my instinct, I would have to forsake one of my most strident takes, which is that Tua Tagovailoa is the worst quarterback starting in the NFL and one of the worst that has done so since Paxton Lynch. I can't do that. I can't cross that bridge. I can't ford that river. We got to move on. Yeah, I'm, and that's why I'm not betting on him is that Tua is just that bad. And with no O-line to help him just really mitigate the problems, I, I don't trust him at all. So we can go to our next game, which is our going to our Sunday night game. The Chicago Bears going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus seven and a half with minus 110 odds, minus 360 on the money line. The Bears then are plus seven and a half with minus 110 odds and plus 280 on the money. Line. This is another awesome game. I'm really excited to watch it. I might go to it. I haven't made up my mind. I'm going to see how the ticket prices fluctuate until game time, but it would be a cool way to see the Bears for the first time in 20 years. The only way you can get at this game is if you're going to bet on the Bears getting the site. I could see the Rams winning by a lot. I think the Rams are the third or fourth best team in the NFL. I fucking love Matt Stafford. I fucking love what he could do with Sean McVay. I think it could be magic. It's so rare that we get an offensive genius with an actually not good, but great quarterback. And I think that Matt Stafford is a top five quarterback in this league. I think he's probably top three right now. That said, the Bears defense is great. I really like their new defensive coordinator, even if it's a bit of a projection. I think the offensive line will be fine. I really like Matt Nagy, even if it's a bit of projection. And I think Andy Dalton will be a professional, similar to Teddy Bridgewater. He won't sink you. He won't help you. He'll transcend nothing, Mac Jones, but he won't sink you, which will be rare and new for the Bears. I think Bears fans are going to have a really hard time understanding what it's like. Like, what is going on here? Our quarterback isn't hurting us and taking points off the board. It's not fun, but we're scoring. That said, the Rams are a much better team. I lean to the Bears plus seven and a half. And other than that, I'm not fucking touching it. And I'm not, I'm not touching Rams money line. I'm not. Because something weird could, if Matt Stafford gets hurt or Aaron Donald gets hurt or Jalen Ramsey gets hurt, the Bears win this game because the Rams are just that thin. Yeah, I, I'm not betting on this game either. I think you're right. The only way you can bet on it is if you have the, the Bears plus seven and a half. I do not have the Bears plus seven and a half. I think, you know, all, all the things you mentioned, they could be good if Nagy you know, coaches and calls plays like he, he did when he had Alex Smith and they can get their offensive line sorted out. They can have a really good offense. The defense should be good. But the Rams are a better team, are better coach. They're deeper. They have a, they're a juggernaut. You know, they're, they're, they're ahead in pretty much every single category. So the Rams are going to win this game. I would expect them to win by more than seven and a half, but that seven and a half number, I hate it and I'm not betting on it. So I'm going to pass on this game, though. I do think the Rams are going to win by, by a decent, by more than that. But not All right. That takes us to Monday night. So we have the last game of week one, the Baltimore Ravens going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are plus four and a half with minus 110 odds, at plus 175 on the money line. The Ravens then are minus four and a half, minus 110 odds at minus 210. This is a 
this is kind of a nothing burger game that I'll definitely end up betting because it's a standalone Monday night football game. And that's just what I do. That's a very square thing to do, by the way, but I've had great luck with it. And I, I have a winning record on these standalone games. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Okay. Let me indulge in my bad habits that profit me. The Ravens never lose to teams that are worse than them. I think the Raiders are worse than them. I think the Ravens will win because of this. Four and a half is one of those terrible numbers that you hate laying. I may see if I can wait and live bet and see if maybe I can get down a little below four and a half because I think the Raiders will show offensively and that will take betters and markets by surprise. I think the Raiders will score score some points, but I think the Ravens will just run all over them. I don't know if I want to lay a unit on the Ravens now, but I'll certainly, I'm open to it. I had the same thing. I just think the the Raiders defense will not be able to deal with the, the running ability and the athleticism that the Ravens have. And while the Raiders offense will be able to produce because John Gruden has always made that happen and they have good weapons um, that can do a variety of roles the Ravens are a better team they're more well-rounded they're better coached they have a significantly better defense and both offenses have their ways of scoring and will put up points but I think there's such a gap in the defensive uh, fronts that the Ravens will clearly take this game I'm I like the Ravens I hate that number I'll probably end up betting on them. I might try and tease them down with one of these other bets that we've already kind of highlighted between Carolina and Buffalo, San Fran, stuff like that. Uh, So I'll probably end up, I'm going to end up betting on the Ravens. Just don't know exactly how yet. Yeah. So as it stands, we've got locked in bets on 10. I've got locked in bets on Tennessee, Atlanta, Denver, and New Orleans. I've sort of got bets on Tampa Bay. (laughs) I'll be real upset if they don't win by three, put it that way. And we may add on the Chargers and Baltimore. Do you have you made up your mind on the Chargers yet? Are you willing to commit on this podcast that you will bet a unit on the Chargers? Uh, I'm going to do a half unit right now just because I think I'm, I'm going to keep playing with them. There are so many games that I like, just don't, don't like the lines on. So I want to still get value on them. So I'm going to play with, you know, what what some of those games you just mentioned between uh, Carolina, Buffalo, Baltimore, San Fran uh, for another half unit to get in on them. But yeah, I, I am going to take the Chargers. I just threw a unit on the Chargers because I got the better quarterback and I got the better coach. I'll take it. Exactly. I mean, there, there's more stability in Washington in terms of the, the coaching staff and everyone coming through, but there's still a lot of variables that I just don't trust. All right. I think that does it for week one. Definitely. I'm excited to see the games and hopefully we come back for week two uh, with our chest, chest popped out instead of our tail between our legs. All right. Until then, please bet on football games. Hasta. Awesome.